If you have clicked on this episode and you are listening to the history of clowns, first of all, thank you for being here. Second of all, should we be worried about you? I know that clowns are a very controversial topic, so we're really appreciative that you are here sticking with us as we learn about the strange and bizarre roots of this horror trope. I'm Abby Brinker. I'm here with Alan Kudan. Hello. And this is the Lunatics Radio Hour, where we talk about the history of our favorite horror. Would you say that clowns are your favorite horror? No, I guess I mean like <laughs> the history of popular horror tropes, right? Or or different things that have inspired horror films. Like our last episode was on the Enfield Poltergeist, which was a really specific example of a thing that inspired a specific horror movie. Also not what I would say my favorite horror is. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but this is about clowns, which is a really broad thing and has a few like really popular horror movies tied to it, right? Whether or not we like them personally, though I think you do, they're pretty popular. Actually, for most of my most of my childhood, mm-hmm. actually right up right up until adulthood. Adulthood. Uh-huh. My favorite horror film involved a clown. It. It. Yeah. Stephen King's It. We're going to talk about It quite a bit today, as you might have guessed. I mean, pretty, how, can, how can you not? Pretty pinnacle when we're talking about horror and clowns. There's only a few pinnacle clown horror movies. Uh-huh. And I think It reigns supreme. Yeah. There's also, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Joker as well. Oh, didn't even think about him. Mm-hmm. What's he doing here? Well, he's a pretty big clown villain, right? And so regardless of whether or not you think some of these films are horror, which I don't think they are really, but no, he is in himself an evil, scary clown in some iterations and others. He's not, Mm. but he's important to sort of, you know, what we'll see as we talk through the history is that clowns were not evil or scary until really recently. You make a good point. I I can't imagine making uh, any kind of full episode on clowns Mm -hmm. without talking about the clown prince of crime. He is sort of like a gateway between normal circus clowns and it. You know, he's kind of like a a, a gateway drug. Uh, Yeah. So, Alan, did you know that there are even online forums and Facebook groups dedicated to the hatred of creepy clowns? I mean, that makes sense. Isn't clowns, like, a number one fear among people? hmm Some circuses even hold workshops that teach attendees how to overcome this fear. So it's like, oh, you're going to the circus. There's going to be clowns. Like, quick, if you're afraid, come into this tent and we'll we'll go through a workshop with you. So, wait, people go to a circus. hmm And before you go, it's like you have to take a class, like, as if it's, like, a fucking safety wa- waiver? Right. I mean, not everybody. It's kind of like, oh, if you're scared of clowns, come check out this seminar or whatever. Okay. I mean, I was, I didn't know when to bring this up. Okay. But I did go to clown school for a very brief point (laughs) in my life. I'm sorry. What are you saying? I I went, I mean, it's what it sounds like. You learn like the little tricks about. No, 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 no. How old were you? What happened? What was, what is this? I think this was. Either late middle school, early high school. And age. you said, hey, mom, I'm dying to go to clown school. No, no, no. It was offered to me. 
By the clowns? I don't know who said it. It was by some teacher. <laughs> they were like, you belong in clown school. This, it was a good program. <laughs> you done? Yeah, good. Okay. So they teach you, you know, the little things like, you know, making balloon animals and makeup and that sort of thing. Um, and I mean, well, we'll, we'll circle back to the makeup in a minute, but this program then took you to senior centers. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's, you know, and old people love clowns. I love children dressed as clowns. Especially uh-huh. people with dementia. Sure. Love, love clowns. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that they were very explicit about was you no longer do white face clowns. Mm-hmm. That's terror inducing. Mm-hmm. Instead, you just drop the white mat and just, you know, you do your eye makeup and your color splotches and your triangles, you know, mm-hmm. and people love it. Not scary anymore. You still add the rainbow wig and a little, little red, red nose. foam nose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have photos of this? That's unimportant. I'm going to text your mom. <laughs> I don't, this is I don't the best she, thing I've ever heard. I don't think she does, actually. Okay. Did, how long were you a clown for? I, I mean, it's a pretty brief program. Sure. You know, you only do it a handful of times. Did you enjoy it? I thought it was a very interesting experience. What was interesting about it? Well, for starters, you learn how to make balloon animals, which is pretty fun. Yeah. What what kind of animals did you make? Uh, I could never get past the dog. Was that the, is that like the basic one? That's the basic one. That and the balloon sword. What's the advanced one? Sometimes I'd make like a llama mm. or a giraffe, which is a dog different var- variations of the dog if you make the neck too big or too short. I'd always be afraid that the balloons would pop. Really? Mm-hmm. No. Well, okay. So a common misconception that it, that the balloons are filled fully before you begin. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, the dog has a little tail, mm-hmm. and that's a deflated part of the balloon. Yeah. So as you keep twisting, all the extra pressure just builds into that instead. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. The more you know about your partner. Yep. Just coming out now. Yeah, I mean, that's great. You're going to be a wonderful resource as we talk through this. There have been, there's also been a lot of surveys and studies done to show that children don't respond well to clowns, which is... Funny, considering especially in modern times, clowns are really associated with entertaining children. It's also funny because you as a child dressed up as a clown, which I really wonder what that all means psychologically. I don't understand what you mean by that. I think it's pretty straightforward. (laughs) But the history of clowns may surprise you. It wasn't all creepy at the beginning. So today's sources. We have a documentary called The History of Clowns by In Praise of Shadows on YouTube. We have a Smithsonian article, The History and Psychology of Clowns Being Scary, an article called The History of Clowns from clownbluey.co.uk, Clowns Are Racist, a YouTube video by Danity Funk, and Wikipedia. Though modern humans almost universally agree that clowns are unnerving, this hasn't always been the case. Historically, clowns have been entertainers and in some cases religious icons and priests, We only start to see some examples of scary clowns in relatively modern history, which we will talk about later on. The word clown can be traced back to the 1560s, when it was used in Germany to describe fools and jesters. The word can be transcribed one-to-one as peasant. Fools and jesters were entertainers, usually from a lower socioeconomic class that performed for the more wealthy or royalty. Jesters can be traced back to the ancient Greek and Roman theaters, 
Jesters could be highly skilled, usually taking part in song, dance, and even acrobatics, in addition to the comedy routines that we identify them with today. So they weren't only, and clowns even, like throughout a lot of this history, they weren't only sort of like silly pie-in-the-face sort of guys. A lot of them were really highly trained in gymnastics and uh, song and dance and other types of entertainment. Though the clowns of ancient Greece were also known for wearing fake penises and costumes that exaggerated genitalia, which was just a fun bit I wanted to throw in. Mm -hmm. But the earliest clowns originated in ancient Egypt and China around 2500 BCE. We have to pause here to address that these early clowns in Egypt were often people from Africa who were enslaved and made to entertain the pharaohs and their courts. One famous clown from Chinese history is Yu Se. He was a clown to Chinese emperor Shish Hong Ti. Forgive my pronunciation there. He was actually the emperor who had great the who had built the Great Wall. What a guy. Yeah, so his clown or jester had special significance because he actually convinced the emperor to not paint the wall, which saved years and years of deadly working conditions. In the Middle Ages, jesters had a complex role. They had great proximity to the throne, and though they represented the poorer class, they also represented free speech to a degree in artistry. Rahir was a jester in the court of Henry I in the 1100s. While traveling to Rome, he contracted malaria and claimed that he would build a hospital to the poor if he survived. Oh. And he actually did survive and kept his word. And right. the hospital still stands and is in use to this day. This was in what, what year? The 1100s. Jeez. It's mm-hmm. an old hospital. It is. Parts of it were decommissioned, um, but parts of it are still active. How big was it? Big is it? I don't think it's that huge. They're decommissioning wings, you know? Yeah. I think there, were, there was like a hospital and a school kind of attached to it. Cool. William Summers was jester for King Henry VIII and had a wonderful reputation around the castle. He was dubbed the poor man's friend. John Scogan was the jester in the court of King Edward IV. Scogan was actually an Oxford scholar and became quite close with the royal family. And so there's a fun story with this one where Scogan borrowed a lot of money from King Edward and he was unable to pay him back. So like the day arrived, right, where he had to come clean on his debt and... Isn't he getting paid wages? Yeah, but he he needed like an advance or what, you know, he needed. And this, who knows, this is sort of like secondhand information, but this is like one of those folklore stories. Got it. If anyone can link the financial agreement, please do. Yeah. So in typical clown fashion, he decided to prank the king. He pretended to be dead and like literally had his friends like carry him on a stretcher to the king. Um, And the king was like devastated, said all of these really kind words of Scogin forgave the the debt you know of his family so that his the survivors in his family didn't need to pay you know his right. owed debt mm-hmm. and then of course Scogin popped up to reveal that it was a prank and the king banished the jester to France can you blame him no the history of jesters and fools spans many regions in the world in addition to the places we've mentioned already they are prominent in Turkey France Italy India and Iraq to name a few In the 1700s, we see the rise of Harlequinade in Britain. This genre was developed by John Rich, a theater manager who also played a Harlequin as part of his show. What is a Harlequin? I mean, I just don't know what is synonymous with, like, jester. Like Harley Quinn. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what it was. It was a very specialized type of jester who became, like, a trope in theater. So it's a theater term. Yeah, so it's it's a genre of theater. So it's a type of theater and it's usually there's also a clown as part of it. So it's 
there's a Harlequin character and a clown character that play like these roles. Are Harlequins always female? No. John Rich was a man and so, he played the Harlequin. You know, like the jester hats that like some mm-hmm. of the, the Harley Quinn characters wear? Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's sort of like Victorian, like I don't even know, older than Victorian, like Elizabethan looking outfits, like men in tights with pointy shoes with bells, like very jestery almost and theatrical. Um, and but at the time, obviously, rebranded a bit in a modern sense. It's a fancy gesture. It's a fancy theater gesture, but it's it. part of like the word is a genre of of show, mm-hmm. you know, like a different type of entertainment, like a burlesque, but a harlequinade. The imagery of clowns as we know it today with the white face makeup is inspired by Joseph Grimaldi from the late 18th century. Grimaldi known as Joey when performing, was famous for more than just his costumes. He was forward about his struggles with mental health, famously saying, I am grim all day, but I make you laugh at night. And his memoirs were actually edited by Charles Dickens. Wow. Which is what sort of like helped solidify that. He's good. Yeah, he's pretty famous. Um, And so this is also kind of like one of the first times we publicly see like a clown or a jester character who's pretty like honest about, and I'm sure, you know, as all humans have mental health struggles, but it's sort of this juxtaposition of my job is to entertain and to be silly and, and whatever, Uh but I'm really struggling or depressed, you know, the clown trope, the clown trope. Exactly. So the circus, right? We have to talk about the circus a little bit here. The circus developed in the 19th century. So actually not that long ago, and clowns became an organic part of that environment. Clowns often gave monologues and offered and offered thoughts to audiences about politics and news. They even were known to quote famous historical literature like the works of Shakespeare. Okay, so there are several specific types of circus clowns. Wait, scroll it back. Uh-huh. They would do Shakespeare at the circus? Yeah, so clowns at the when they sort of first emerged in the circus, and they're they're certainly I think one of the documentaries like described them as like the thread of like keeps the circus together, right? They sort of like pop in and out. They provide like emotion, like comic relief or emotional reprieve, but they also. I was about to say like, oh, they're like the rodeo clowns. And then I realized, oh, clowns. Yeah. Yeah. They just come in in and out between acts. Right. And also sometimes as part of acts, they have cameos. And in this time they were also giving like monologues and they were talking about politics and current events and they were quoting Shakespeare and other, you know, so it wasn't, again, like what we think of as clowns now and the makeup and some of the things have persisted across centuries, but really like the silliness isn't always been what the history of it is. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to talk about several specific types of clowns. The first is the white face clown known for the white makeup, right? The white face makeup. Grimaldi was an example of this. They have the most status of all of the types of clowns and is the oldest type of clown. In modern times, these clowns usually function as the straight man or leader of the group. Another type of clown is the August, or red clown. And I could totally be pronouncing that word wrong. Say it again? August with an E at the end. So I don't know if it's like Auguste or Auguste. Mm-hmm. But red clown. This clown often accompanies the white-faced clown. They are usually the ones who are the butt of the joke, right? So they're the ones who get the pie in the face. Oh, geez. And sometimes they're known for like 
kind of like what you described when you were clowning the the same makeup but lacking the white background mm-hmm. on their face okay so then there's also character clowns who take on the role of a comical policeman a baker a housewife like a specific job like for example ronald mcdonald would be known as a character clown charlie chaplin was a character clown you're equating charlie chaplin and ronald mcdonald I'm saying that they fall into the same clown category. Like Buster Keaton was a character clown. Um, So character clowns makeup is usually Ronald McDonald is an exception to this, but character clowns makeup is usually comedic is usually a comedic slant of the human face. So think about Charlie Chaplin's makeup, for example, where it's, you don't look at Charlie Chaplin and say, Oh, he's a clown, right? He's not like, he doesn't have a red nose, but you also know that there's something like exaggerated about his features. Mm. So those are the three main types. There's also another fourth type, which is somewhat recent and not everybody really counts it, which is what they call the hobo clown. Mm -hmm. So a clown who is specifically mimicking or making fun of, to some degree, homeless people or people experiencing homelessness. Right, because they have all the patches and the clothes and everything and straw poking out of places. Exactly. And we'll we'll get to that in a minute, too, when we talk about some of the issues with these. It wasn't until the mid-1900s that clowns really became entertainment for kids. Often cited as the first example of this is Clarabelle the Clown from the popular show Howdy Doody. So think about that. It wasn't until the 1900s that clowns became associated with entertaining children. Before that, from 2500 BC until 1900 AD, they were meant to a to entertain adults Mm -hmm. only in the 1900s were they sort of like thought to be invited to kids parties and stuff like that so clarabelle the clown from howdy doody clarabelle communicated solely through mime which is a major part of the ancient gesture tradition Mm -hmm. and honking a horn like one honk for yes two honks for no in fact clowns meant to entertain children is mostly an american thing clowns in other parts of the world are not exclusively meant to keep kids busy Before we move on, we should address the racist history of clowning. Obviously, not all clowns are inherently racist, but there are major things to call out here. We started the episode talking about enslaved people in Egypt made to act as jesters. Minstrel shows and blackface is another aspect of clown history that's obviously problematic. So when you talk about that fourth type of clown, right, that hobo clown, Uh there are also some ties to that being connected to... um, to the the huge increase of like the black homeless population after emancipation Mm -hmm. because you know a lot of people who were enslaved suddenly had no assets and nowhere to go right so that's obviously terrible minstrel performances consisted of white people putting on blackface frederick douglas described the blackface performers as and quote the filthy scum of white society who have stolen from us a complexion denied them by nature in which to make money and pander to the corrupt taste of their white fellow citizens. By the late 18th century, white people in blackface often appeared in theatrical and other types of performances as the servant character, meant to be the butt of the joke. In the 1830s, a minstrel performance called Jump Jim Crow brought renewed popularity to this awful and racist show. And if you really look at like the blackface tradition in film and in other places outside of like clown or minstrel shows... You know, a lot of really famous actors at the time, like Judy Garland, for example. And, you know, and obviously we still have celebrities today who are dressing up for Halloween and and doing bullshit like that. But it was a really awful 
period of time where that was seen as an acceptable thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I know the default response here sometimes is to say, well, minstrel shows, blackface, all of that stuff happened so long ago. But obviously, as we can see with what's going on this week, like this country has always had systemic issues with racism. And, and I would just like to take this moment to encourage everyone to do more. One resource I really love to suggest is the work of Nicole Cardoza. She has a platform called Anti-Racism Daily, and you can get a newsletter to your email every day, and there's also an Instagram. So that is something that I would recommend as a first step, but there's a lot that we have to be doing because what we're doing right now isn't working. So anyway, there's a lot of people out there who are doing really expert work in this, and we can learn from them, compensate them, and then take it upon ourselves to make change in this country. But now, shall we talk about what is, what is within our level of expertise? Scary clowns? I would, well, I'd say I'd love to, but that's, that's not true. Clowns, clowns are creepy. Scary, evil, dark. It's, we're going to go for a broad definition here. Well, I was actually thinking about this earlier, how we've talked about a lot of like movie monsters, right? Mm -hmm. And clowns are absolutely a type of movie monster mm-hmm. or movie villain, whatever. But if like one was standing in your apartment, you would freak the fuck out. Yeah, of course. If there was like a vampire standing in your apartment, would you be freaked out or would you be intrigued? You know, I guess it depends how hot they are. I mean, sh- sure. They're not um what what did shimmer shimmering glittering are you talking about edward from twilight you're talking about edward from okay Uh, ignore vampires Mm -hmm. right i think movie monsters are cool i don't think there's anything cool about clowns i was at a race like like a 5k or something Mm -hmm. pre-covid days with my family and there was a it was like just a normal race it was like in the middle of the winter and there was a clown there and there was no reason to it wasn't like a big it was like a it was like a street race you know there wasn't like a carnival after like there was no you know zones it was like you're literally like running along traffic like mm-hmm. it was a street race there was no like festival but there's just a clown like and he wasn't running he was just hanging out like in the parking lot <laughs> and it's just like the most unnerving thing because you know that he knows that people are going to be freaked out by him and that there's no reason for him to be here. It's just a big public gathering where he decided to come dressed as a clown. So I would say even if they're not in your bedroom, they can be upsetting. Clowns are unsettling. Yeah. Everything about them is unsettling. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about one of the very first instances of a non-positive clown. So the beginning of time. No. No. I'm saying what I say that is like this section that I'm really focusing on clowns that were portrayed in an evil or scary or negative way in the media, because up until this point, clowns, regardless of how you feel about them on a personal level, were not like evil killer clowns. Right. So I'm talking about the shift here into kind of when media starts to reflect that people are thinking of clowns in this darker way. When they switched from being the victim to the antagonist. Right. Yes, that's very good. Okay. So Edgar Allan Poe's Hop Frog from 1849 Hop is one of the first examples of a scary clown. Okay. Though Hop Frog is very similar to Carrie in certain ways. 
Hop Frog is the abused. Wait, wait. Hop Frog is the name of the clown. Yeah. Hop. Sorry. Hop Frog is the name of the character. Okay. The clown. Got it. Or he's he's more of like a jester, really. And is it is the piece self-titled of Hop Frog? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not self-titled. Edgar Allan Poe. This was it. his autobiography. So Hop Frog is an abused, mistreated, and bullied jester to the king. Like really, 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 really abused. He's a dwarf and he is disabled. The king physically abuses him. And at the end of the story, of course, Hop Frog gets his revenge. So it's not really like a scary clown story. It's more of like a killer clown story like it, this is actually interesting because this is a little bit of a side tangent but okay i got into a discussion a friendly conversation okay with my friend ashley the other day on instagram because i posted on instagram asking you know one of those like questions things um a questionnaire no there's like a feature where you can ask questions people submit responses to it almost like a questionnaire <laughs> okay do you have a phone like okay Um, i have a phone have you ever been on instagram not in a while okay so i know the question pops up people submit responses and it goes back to a central person you know and they collect all the responses from all the people (laughs) okay it's a questionnaire i i don't understand not anything like okay so Anyway, I put out a call for like, How would you describe it then? What's everybody's favorite horror villain? And my friend Ash and I said, my, I'll start mine is Carrie. And she said, hop frog. No, Ashley said that she didn't think that, uh, Carrie was a horror villain because, you know, like the people deserved it. Right. Cause she was abused and mistreated. And I said, in response, I thought about it for a few minutes and I said, you're wrong. Well, I said, I disagreed with her because though, yes, there, there is like a lot of bullshit that pushes Carrie over the edge, right? She's bullied by people. They dump pig's blood on her. Like she also ends up killing a gymnasium full of people who had nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. It's pretty bad. So she's, she is murderous. Like, even though there's like people to blame for pushing her over the edge, she did. She, what she did was a lot bigger than revenge. So anyway, just to say it's an interesting conversation about whether you define someone as a villain or not. I think Carrie is a villain. I don't think Hopfrog is a villain. I, I think in a very interesting question for Ashley then mm-hmm. would be like, what? how do you feel about Jigsaw? Mm-hmm. Because everybody in one of his traps seemingly deserved it. Yeah, well, we'll ask Ashley and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. So anyway, that's the story of Hopfrog. The first example of a murderous clown. Uh, also... Well, you have to edit this in earlier, but you have to add a spoiler tag because you say the ending of Hop Frog. Briefly, I'm going to mention an Italian opera from 1892 because it has come up in every single article and video that I watch for this. Pagliacci. Hey, say, say it again. Pagliacci. Pagliacci. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it is a fairly famous example of a clown murderer. Oh, it seems actually to be an opera that's still like performed somewhat frequently to this day, even though it's from the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. But you can look up some cool imagery or it's not even cool, but like costumes are kind of like exaggerated and surrealist and stuff. So it, it's interesting. Anyway, it's an Italian opera, so I don't know a ton about it beyond that. But um, I just thought I should mention it for oh, you peg, due diligence. Peg, Pegliati? Pegliacci? What was it? 
Pagliacci. Pe- uh, for, yeah, all you Pagliacci fans out there. Yeah, shout out to you. One of the first films to star a scary clown was the 1924 silent film He Who Gets Slapped, starring none other than Lon Chaney, the Wolfman. Everyone loves a good Lon Chaney. Exactly. The script. He, he Who Gets Slapped? He Who Gets Slapped from 1924, silent film. The script is based on a Russian play by the same name from 1914. Though looking at the footage now, it's like you can find, I think, the whole thing on YouTube. Um, I found it somewhere online really easily. It's it's a bizarre film from 1924. It's weird and very like trippy and there's lots of weird editing techniques and clowns and mirrors and multiple clowns on carousels. You know, it, it's a little bit trippy. But at the time, it was a huge hit for MGM. Wow. Is it like Trip to the Moon trippy? Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just the style. Yeah, sure. Yeah, certainly. Um, And a fun fact actually about this film is that it was the first film produced by MGM. Though they held the release until the holiday season when a bigger audience was expected. So they like made the film, held it for a few months. So other films were released before this one. But this was the first film that MGM, when they came together made that was the the beginning of everyone goes to movies on christmas morning Mm -hmm. so this film is also the first film to feature mgm's iconic mascot leo the lion before mgm came together it was just goldwyn right and they had it was like a merger right but before that they they did have their own lion but this is the first time it was part of an mgm film they had wait, wait wait there's rival lions like, I think the lion started with Goldwyn and it carried into this merger. So there's films that just say, like, Goldwyn, not MGM. Gotcha. And had the, the lion, but those were, like, they predated MGM as a company. I see. Well, I mean, the, they probably kept the lion because he's so cool. And he's a big hit. I, do you know the fun fact about filming that lion? Yeah. So they were. he was just supposed to stand there. Uh-huh. It was just supposed to be, like, a, a, a lion's head, you know, like licking his eyeball or something whatever lions do and then and then all of a sudden he just roars like crazy Mm -hmm. and they had no idea he was going to do it and they got it on film and that's why they've used it ever since because it's so freaking cool and another fun fact about he who gets slapped the film entered the public domain in january 2020 and now has an 89 percent rating on rotten tomatoes he who gets slapped yes did you watch it it's on youtube so I watched bits of it. I didn't, I'm not one to like sit and watch a full length silent movie as a modern viewer, but you can. Despite the fact that we watch, uh, GIFs all day. GIFs, GIFs, GIFs. GIFs. I remember it cause it's like GIFs. So yeah, check that out. If you're into trippy clown movies, go for it. So yeah. So the, the kind of like essential thing is that Lon Chaney's clown character in the movie is part of a thriller plot. So it's not horror, but it is thriller. Mm-hmm. And he's not really the bad guy, but it's still sort of like clowns getting portrayed in a creepy movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. This is a big section here. What's the section called? The Joker. The Joker. I mean, enter uh, the Joker. Enter the Joker. The first fully fledged evil clown that we see in pop culture is the Joker whom we meet in 1940. Despite the Joker's iconic history, it's a bit... Just for some clarity, you're talking about the Batman villain. Oh, yeah. Yes, from Batman. Despite the Joker's, like, level of iconic 
fame at this point in his career, right? Infamy. It's actually a bit murky how and who developed him. Bob Kane. There are five men who are credited with the creation of this character, and all of them tell different stories about his origin and, of course, like making themselves seem like they had a bigger role in it. Mm -hmm. And all of these men have since passed away. Who did you just say? Bob Kane. Who's that? Creator of Batman. Yeah. Well, I think he had some friends helping him. No, I was I was just guessing on that one. Also, very interesting that... The, well, actually, no. I, what am I saying? This makes perfect sense. There's a dubious origin on what on where the character came from mm -hmm. because the character's origin itself is super dubious mm -hmm. there's multiple origin stories of him mm -hmm. that are all considered canon yeah and also if you look at the 1928 film so there's a uh, another film from 1928 called the man who laughs not to be confused with he who gets slapped but the man who laughs and you should google this alan if you have your phone mm-hmm Google the man who laughs. You mean um, the famous Joker comic? Well, this is the film. The actor Conrad Witt, his makeup from the film is exactly like the Joker that we all picture in our mind right now. Mm -hmm. So you said, you know, he who laughs is the name of a comic. No, no. The man who laughs. So I wonder. Yeah. The man who laughs. Sorry. So I wonder if the film was actually a Joker film. I didn't realize that. No. I mean, the. I'm trying to think of where, I mean, obviously the man who laughs predates the Joker by decades. But did they base it on that? I think they did. Well, I don't think he always looked like he does now, though. Yeah, Google the Joker 1940. You'll see him, his first comic book look. Right. Now, uh, there's a very famous one-shot comic called The Man Who Laughs of the Joker, but that's from like 2005. So what would, that can't be what I'm thinking of. Oh, well, maybe they just took the namesake and made it into something. Yeah, I guess he always looked like this. I, I pictured him differently. Yeah, so his very early iterations in comic books and the portrayal of this actor in this movie from 1928 are almost identical. Oh, yeah. Oh, so fun fact. All the creators of the Joker, you listed four, at least uh, Bob Kane, Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson, so all th three people from the very um, early days of Batman, the one thing that they all agreed on, despite the differences on who created him, mm -hmm. was that the Joker was based off the character from The Man Who Laughs. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, yeah, it's obvious that <laughs> it is. But I mean, he looks the same. It's the yeah, same guy. But that's great validation for sure. So regardless of his true origin story as a character... It's not entirely surprising that we see a super violent comic book character in 1940. Comic books around this time were actually very dark. Pages were filled with murder, mystery, and sex. Around 1954, the Comic Books Code Authority, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I thought it was interesting. Um, the Comic Books Code Authority was developed in order to regulate the contents of comic books. So during this period of time, we see that the Joker actually shifts into like a lighter, more kind of like clown character where huh he was less murderous it was more sort of like him being a buffoon um with the rise of comic censorship the joker leaned closer to his own clown roots than his killer tendencies it wasn't until the 80s when the joker shifts back towards his darker side with stories like a death in the family and the killing joke where he be kind of becomes a serial killer clown again no way so you're saying how it back in the 40s 
comics were kind of badass. It was like Dick Tracy, you know, it, yeah, it was. Huh. That's so interesting. I, so, you know, having, I'm somebody that when I start reading an ongoing story, mm-hmm. I love to start at the beginning and it's you know, a lot of these superheroes just cause that's the, the main, um, comic book franchises in America when you go back to their origins, they're so, so lame, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going back to the golden age, which I guess, you know, 50s. But Batman and, you know, I guess oh, Superman is even older than that. Yeah, I guess now once you get into the 40s, you're saying how it just used to be so dark and gritty. That's amazing. I can't wait to go explore that. And probably, you know, I don't know the history of comics, but probably even sooner. It was 1954 that there was like this comic book code authority. And so anything predating that, you know, was probably a little bit grittier. How, I think that's so interesting. Cause like you look at movies from then and I guess they're not tar. tar- I, I mean, no, from the forties, there was a good amount of surprisingly dark and gritty movies. Yeah. It was sort of like a censorship thing that popped up probably in response to all of that. Right. Yeah. Especially oh, that makes comic sense. books, like kids were, were accessing them and, you know, I mean, I, I, imagine back then comics the kids were the exclusive audience of mm-hmm. comic books yeah yeah except for ones that maybe were a little risque well sure or they probably may, or maybe too. maybe maybe they weren't yeah. maybe it was just supposed to be uh, uh everyone who can read enjoys them mm-hmm. and then post censorship is when it switched to kids yeah that's yeah. an interesting topic to explore in 1954 west german film the phantom of the big tent is one of the earliest, if not the earliest, killer clown movies. What what year are we? 1954. West German film. Killer of the Big Tent. The oh, Phantom, West German. Oh. The Phantom of the Big Tent. Phantom of the Big Tent. But sadly, the film doesn't seem to be accessible any longer. Some people think it didn't survive the Cold War. Oh, bummer. So if you can find a copy or you have one, let us know because we would love to watch it because it is usually thought of as the first like slasher clown movie. Oh, that's cool. We start to see evil clowns pop up more and more over the next span of time. So there's like some uh, things I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go through here that I just found interesting. So I wanted to share them. The first, and I I think this one is interesting because it's still it's like you know you could find it on Netflix right now. Um, an episode of The Twilight Zone. Five characters in search of an exit. Um, and this is season three, episode 14, which originally debuted on December 22nd, 1961. A good year. A good year. There's clowns in this? Yes. So there, there's five um, characters and they end up, it's like very like dystopian, surrealist. He's essentially like combining two plays, one called No Exit and one called Five Characters in Search of an Author. And so Rod Sterling sort of playing with these like very surrealist play plots but essentially these five characters one is like a police officer a clown a ballerina like i don't remember what all of them are wake up in like a room without doors or any way out and it's just like following them kind of like psychologically through the episode as they just sort of like realize that they're stuck in this place and there's no way out that's pretty cool yeah i've never seen that one so it's not really like, I don't know, I haven't seen it or I don't remember, so I'm not sure what happens to the clown <laughs> um, or if he's a killer, but it's kind of cited in some of the research as like we're, a... We're going to watch it immediately after we finish this. Yeah, as a pop culture clown moment. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah, it is cool. 1966 was a big year for the clown trope because we see Adam West's Batman introduce the Joker villain to TV. Though this version is more comedic than killer, 
The Joker in this instance was played by Cesar Romano, and he was also seen in the film version of Adam West Batman. Which is one of the greatest pieces of cinema ever made. Are you being sarcastic? No, it's fantastic. Great. It's one of my favorite films. Shall we talk about one of my favorite examples of a clown? Uh, sure. Can you guess what it is? From 1969? 1969. And I know the answer? I mean, no. <laughs> okay. I mean, you you would know it right away, but I don't think that you would connect it. Scooby-Doo encounters a ghost clown in the episode Bedlam at the Big Top. Which we watched um, on Thanksgiving. Did we? Didn't we? Oh, on Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we watched a co- we watched your your special Thanksgiving Scooby Doo, and <laughs> yes. then oh the movie, we, yeah. yeah, and the then we watched a, exactly, and then we watched a couple episodes as well while you were just getting things ready because you were stressed. Was, yeah, Scooby Doo is the original Scooby Doo series is part of who I am. So anyway, yeah, really exciting that Scooby Doo's name comes up in research here because uh, one of the first evil clowns. Okay, this part's going to be a little rough. Why is that? Because we're talking really briefly about the evilest clown of all clowns. Who is it? Jaws? (laughs) (laughs) We keep talking at the same time. John Wayne Gacy. Who's that? If you aren't familiar, Gacy was an American serial killer who was sexually assaulted and murdered at least 33 men and boys in the 70s. Oh, that John Wayne Gacy. Gacy. That John Wayne Gacy. To be clear, he was a real person and not a character. I mean, he he was a character. Let me tell you what. <laughs> but I'm talking about him because he does influence what happens next in clown history. Okay. But yes, Gacy was a clown. It wasn't thought that he actually like performed any of the murders while he was dressed up as a clown. But he obviously had access to children through his profession. He performed at children's hospitals and charity events under the name Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown. Gacy's crimes are truly horrific and very upsetting. If you're interested in learning more about it, I'm not going to like kill the vibe of the episode talking about one of the worst serial killers of all time. The last podcast on the left covers um, has like one of their very early episodes talks about this. I think it's like episode 105 or 106 and they are truly the the heavy hitter experts when it comes to serial killers. So I will redirect you all there. The one thing that I would like to clarify though, yes, is that there is a difference between Gacy's patches, the clown Mm -hmm. and patch Adams clown that heals all the kids. Yeah. That's a good point. That was uh, Robin Williams. Yes. Yeah. Way better. Cause they both had access to kids Mm -hmm. and one was good and one was evil. Mm -hmm. So let's just recap, right? Please. We have thousands of years of clown history, really jester history. We see clowns in circuses. We see clowns start to appear in pop culture and dark ways here and there, really scattered, right? Like I've just said, I don't know, five or eight examples, but that's over like 100 years or 50 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, infrequent. Then we see John Wayne Gacy. And now things start to heat up a little bit. Okay. So let's talk about it. Stephen King's novel, It, came out in 1986, and the movie came out in 1990. And, of course, there's 70s horror films that touch on that touch on clowns and slasher clowns and things, but It, in 1986, was really the thing that kicked things off here. Talking about how evil clowns have become a staple in modern horror, 
we really have to look at both Pennywise and the Joker. And again, I said at the beginning, like the Joker is sort of a gateway. It sort of connects just like clowns being unnerving right. to like a clown eventually kind of being murderous. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Pennywise. So let's talk about the significance of Pennywise in our relationship, shall we? Sure. Okay. So on our third date. First date. Third date. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? On our third date, we went to see It when that new, when the new movie It came out in 2017, I guess. The It remake. Yeah, the It, the new version of It. And so in preparation, you said, well, you have to come over and watch the original because I had never seen it from 1990. Right. And so I came over to watch the original, I think, on our second date. Mm-hmm. I did not realize it was a six-hour movie. Well, that's because it wasn't a movie. It was a miniseries. But it's all edited together now. I mean, yeah, they've stitched it together when you get the home version. But, I mean, it, it aired as a miniseries. It, the, the, the original book is gargantuanly long. And they did a pretty... I, I think they did a pretty good adaptation. I mean, the, the book is very different. But I think they did a very good adaptation, or at least made a very uh, solid little miniseries out of it. Mm-hmm. If they'd cut it down to a film, which they sort of did with the remake, they still broke it up into part one and two, mm-hmm. you know, and there's long movies. It, it, it still, it just, it feels very compressed where the first one feels so much more fleshed out. So I imagine then you prefer the original miniseries to the more modern remakes. I, I do. I'm also very biased just because it was my first horror movie that mm-hmm. I saw as a kid and I saw it in I think like third grade so oh, wow. far far too young yeah I saw I saw it and Halloween on the same night at like a at, sleepover at a sleepover yeah and it was just far far too much yeah it's always someone's parents in the group that lets you do whatever you want to do right oh yeah <laughs> yeah I didn't really dabble in it or encounter it like I knew it existed but I never just wasn't interested in it until we met. And I wasn't like terrified of clowns. It just wasn't my thing, but it's good. And I I think the remakes are good as well. At least I haven't seen the second one, but the first one, you know, it's funny and snappy and you know, I I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. So Pennywise gave me years of nightmares Mm -hmm. as a kid. One of the main, I, I had this, yeah, recurring nightmare. Um, that well, it's more of when I was just like laying in bed at night, I would get so so freaked out. And it was the, it's I always think about the there's one scene where the bully is now in the institution, mm-hmm. and Pennywise slides out from under his bed and starts talking to him, and. What freaked me out so much about that scene is it's a pretty, like, he's it's nighttime, it's dark in his room, yet when Pennywise slides out, Pennywise is perfectly lit. <laughs> even even by shrouding in darkness, you couldn't escape him. Yeah. And being a kid laying in bed, thinking about this fact, laying in bed, just like the character did, I would freak myself out so often. I bet. And then, obviously... Yeah, many, many years. Many years this went That's on. why our parents didn't want us to watch it. They were trying to protect us. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what chlorophobia is? 
Fear of plants. Clowns. Ugh. There's actually... going with chlorophyll, you know? Yeah, I know. There's actually quite a bit of psychological research around the fear of clowns, which surely developed before it and the Joker came into the world. So some, some psychologists say that the mystery of clowns, right, that especially clowns who, who are mimes and they don't really speak and they're just sort of, you know, you don't you can't make like a connection with them because of the makeup and the layers and the performance. Right. And so that's one thing that psychologists point to this duality of like this childish exterior, but mm. this unknown interior. I mean, my knee jerk reaction is, well, of course, they're just so creepy. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's like, well, why are they creepy? Well, so there's some interesting reasons why. Another thing is the makeup. So especially when you described at the beginning of the white makeup that they you, they had you in clown school not put on the white makeup because it makes you too creepy. Um, that's like a real thing because when you're wearing the white makeup and the exaggerated features, you almost it like almost mimics this demonic facial recognition type of thing. And it can freak people out because your eyes are like a little bit different than they should be. And your mouth is a little bit different than it should be. Well, um, in one point that I would like to illuminate for you, if, oh, if I may. Okay. Um, I ignored that rule and went with white face regardless. I also kind of made it look a bit more badass. I look more into like I was in a metal band, mm-hmm. like just doing the death metal makeup. Um, I still had positive like reactions from the seniors. Did you look like Kiss? Uh, closer than to kiss than yeah so tell me where clowns end and kiss begins it's a great question Hmm? i would say they sing they dance a little they wiggle they're entertainers yeah i think that's a great point they're probably funny (laughs) yeah their songs are playful right according to joseph derwin a psychology professor at california state university in northridge Kids are very reactive to a familiar body type with an unfamiliar face. Wait, wait, wait. Say it again. So a familiar body type with an unfamiliar face. So this is called the uncanny (laughs) valley effect. Sorry, I was just thinking like of Anubis. Yeah. I mean, not that wouldn't be a familiar body. Why? Why? Uh, Talking about the humanoid shape. Perfectly normal human body. No, not like body and, then, and head. I'm, and then I'm body counting, of a head of a jackal. I'm counting the head as part of the body. I don't know why you're not. <laughs> you got a Horus? Okay. So this is called the uncanny valley effect, meaning humanoid objects which do not appear as human. So a clown, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a known psychological um, trigger here that it, that it freaks people out. Why is it called uncanny valley? It has to do with like when you click on the Wikipedia, there's like a big chart with a big valley in the middle. Oh, yes. Okay. Does that clarify things for you? It it does. So it's actually very interesting because this um, is a very relevant effect when speaking about um, animatronics and robotics and that sort of thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Or uh, CGI as well. One reason why a lot of animatronics are creepy is because they look too close to humans Mm -hmm. you know when they start moving and sounding like humans it gets creepy that's why a lot of prosthetics are painted a different color you know to look uh you know silver or something just so it doesn't look very close but not quite human Mm 
mm-hmm. you know? Because there's always going to be some discrepancy until technology is like perfect, until we just have straight up Androids, you know? It, it, because it's it's unsettling. So yeah, just picture, you know, like um, a hand, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, just like straight up Terminator hand, where it's just like the, the wiggly robot fingers, like badass. When it is animatronic, which is like the 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 silken flesh stretched over like that's a little creepy Hmm. uncanny valley uncanny valley yeah i'm not as i'm not freaked out by prosthetics as i am by clowns though right well i mean that absolutely this is i'm i'm mostly quoting i did a film shoot years ago about robotics and animatronics and everything for darpa Mm -hmm. uh, and this was a main talking point interesting that's cool all right, one final reason why clowns are freaky. Clown behavior, though it's meant to be comedic, is often damaging, right? Like it involves clowns hurting or being hurt. Yeah, just ask the red clown. Yeah. There's also like subconscious reasons why watching people get hurt or hurting, even if it's in a joking way, inspires fear. And it's kind of confusing your like neurological system. Looking at a clown, you're like, I get it. It's a performance. It's somebody dressed up it's a comedic thing where they're being stupid but psychologically and subconsciously it's also like your brain saying what is this thing it's not human it looks human but it's not human why is this thing hurting other things and so it kind of like is this weird fuzziness of logically you can say like yeah i get what clowns are i understand i comprehend but subconsciously your body could still be reacting and triggered by some of these actions that they're taking yeah i mean that that makes perfect sense yeah it's interesting really quick final thing here final thoughts with abby phantom clowns what so in brookline massachusetts in 1981 children reported men dressed up as clowns that had tried to lure them into a van but soon panic spread across the entire country and sightings of men attempt or clowns attempting to lure children away has become almost an urban legend not to discount like the creepy people out there who are doing this, but um, it's called Phantom Clowns, and you can look it up on the internet if you're interested. But it's it's kind of like this phenomena almost, even though it's not really the right word, but like this panic, like a satanic panic almost for a while in the 80s that swept the country of um, men or, again, of clowns trying to abduct kids or, or kind of like appearing in weird places. Um, I'm actually very familiar with this. Oh, great. And it, because there's been a resurgence mm-hmm. of, it's actually not just men. Now it's men and women are being reported. It, it's like this known area where the sighting happens almost daily, mm-hmm. where they just keep seeing these clowns. You, is this about to be a punchline? What? No. Oh, where? Congress. <laughs> it's like, I feel like this isn't real. Horror movies with clowns. More horror movies with clowns. I'm just going to list off some so people can have a little bit of a movie watch list if they're interested. Right, because everyone is just fucking chomping at the bit to watch more clown movies. I should say not all of these are horror, but movies with clowns. Okay. Okay, so not on this list, but we just watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I I wish we hadn't. (laughs) It was really bad. I... I love bad movies. I especially love silly, campy horror movies. Love them. This movie, I could barely get through. This movie bit the big one. It did. It, in it, 
And I only watched the last 30 minutes, to be honest. It was, it's just so bad. I have no qualms with low-budget cinema. None whatsoever. But they had a budget. They had, yeah, they had some budget. But, they had you know, a whole amusement park. The fa- I mean, sure. But the fact that the clowns could only move their mouths when they were shooting in close-up, you know? Because obviously they had like an animatronic head or a puppet head or something. But it couldn't be part of the costume. It was one of the worst, some of the worst costumes I've ever seen in horror movies, which is saying quite a bit. They were like half clown, half like melting space blob. Yeah, but not even in like a cool way. No, not a cool way. I know I'm making it sound cool. It's not. It was just a very, it's a stupid movie with a stupid plot. Yeah. And everyone acts, the only, the only good character in that entire movie is the sheriff. And at one point, they pie. They they throw so many pies at a security guard. He is totally incapacitated. Well, no, he he melted. It's silly. Like it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, and then they put the cherry on his head. No, no, no. the The pies were like acid pies, and he melted inside. And they put because he, there's what there was one cutaway where like you see his like liquefied skeleton inside. I was probably on Instagram at that. Yeah, point. this is a movie to go on your phone during. Yeah. So just don't watch it. Don't Actually, watch no, it. you should watch it because. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're Netflix, just straight right? assholes, and you're, this is your favorite film. And I'm really sorry. Um, and in fact, I'm very open to persuasion. Tell me what I'm missing. It's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. Now let's move into the official list. Of course, it the original and the remakes. Mm-hmm. Joker. F- from, oh yes. What last year? Two years ago. Last year. Last year was 2020. Yeah, 2019. The Dark Knight, which isn't a horror movie, but it's a dark movie, so I'm putting it on here. It's a thriller. Okay, here's a film I really hate. Terrifier. Do you remember watching that? You hated it? Are you kidding? He cu- he cuts a woman in half. It's unsettling. It's, I wouldn't say I hate the it's film. It's torture porn. I hate torture porn. I also dislike torture porn. That was a very memorable movie for me. Why? It, uh, I mean, I remember it. It stuck with sure. me, but not in like a wow, that was gross kind of way. Oh, that's how I remember it. I remember like the gore of it. I remember it being a very unsettling movie, a very unfulfilling movie, but I didn't hate it. There was nothing inspiring about the plot. It, you know, you knew it was going to happen the whole time. It was a very traditional slasher movie. The only thing that was like a selling point for people was how disturbing it was, in my opinion. Like there was yeah, nothing else creepy, about creepy it. Yeah, he's a creepy clown. Right. He's he's fucked up. He's creepy. He's cutting up people in his warehouse or whatever. Like, yep. you know, I don't know. All right. Ne- next, please. We'll move on. Carnival of Souls from 1998. Hell yeah. I That movie, I've only caught in snippets. I've wanted to watch that. It's been on my to, to watch list absolutely forever. It's interesting because I watched the original. There's like a really, really old original that I watched with my mom, like a black and white movie. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even know that there was a movie from the 90s until I put this list together. There you go. So we'll definitely have to watch that. I think it's just, I I just love the name. Mm. Yeah, it's a good name. Also reminds me of Tornado of Souls. Mm. Megadeth. Megadeth. Freak Show. Mm. Fear of Clowns. Camp Blood. Mm. which i believe is a whole series the clown at midnight not ringing a bell killjoy nope stitches stitches why does that sound familiar because i I don't know i think it's the name of the clown in the thing oh did you want to watch that the other night 
No. No, that was fingers. Fingers, yeah. I want to watch fingers from fingers, Shutter. Fingers, different than stitches. And finally, The House on Sorority Row. And so those are like some probably like 70s, 80s, 90s slasher clown movies. Probably super bad production value or whatever, but... I mean, it's a cheap trick. Yeah. Your horror movie monster, mm -hmm. you can achieve with Halloween makeup. Right. You don't need the budget for Jaws. In fact, there's a reason why so many Halloween costume and masks and everything are clown based because it's so it's so easy to put together. I mean, also, like if you look at some of the most iconic horror villains, especially from low budget series uh -huh. um, or low budget first films anyway, like you have Halloween, you have Jason, you have clowns like, you know, they're just. What's his name? Pat P Slappy? No. <laughs> Slappy? Who are you talking about? Who am I thinking of? It's uh, the, the freaking first Edgar Allan Poe guy. Hop Frog. Hop Frog. Slappy. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, like I, brother think, Slappy. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there's a reason why some of these iconic horror villains are simplistic and humanoid, and it is because of budget. Uh, yeah. You know, that's all I have to say. You're, you're, not, you're, you're not wrong. You know, like putting mask on someone makes it almost like different. It makes the difference between like a th thriller and a horror in some cases. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. in all cases, but in some cases. Right. They didn't respect me until I put on the mask. Yeah. So now we have a real treat to round out this episode. A real big pie to be thrown in your face. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to make it connect. To I see what you're doing. Yep. Yep. Let's g g give me give me a slice. Okay. And it's special. Okay. Because neither of us are reading it. Oh, very special. We have a professional voice actor reading it. Oh, this is the one with John. Yes, your friend John. Oh, wow. John Backstrom, a jack of all trades, really. I've worked with John uh, on a number of film shoots, and he's done a whole bunch of different roles and worn a bunch of different hats mm -hmm. and on the last shoot that we were on together he would just start telling me how he's been doing all this uh voice acting work recently oh cool and of course i start telling about the podcast and immediately we we're like well we have to do something together so i'm just so thrilled that he's able to do something for us yeah right? i'm so excited i am am super thrilled and i think you know i always say this but having really great actors read things it makes such a difference you know and i think it will really be the cherry on top of oh, this geez. episode yeah yep well john i'm sorry that you have to deal with clowns but here we go <laughs> here we go clown shoes written by abby Branker, read by john maxstrom she watched in disgust as the sweat from his brow melted his white face paint. His mouth was smeared with red. What used to be his exaggerated lip lines now looked like he had feasted on something bloody and raw. A lit cigarette clung to his open mouth, stuck to the makeup. He snapped his suspenders as he took in the scene, inhaling the smoke, waiting for her to show herself. A few feet away, she held her breath. She tried to still her mind. Don't panic, she kept repeating to herself. Little girl, little girl, where did you go? Little girl, little girl, why do you hide so? He couldn't wait anymore. 
He took a step. Squeak! His costume shoes were loud as he tread on the concrete floor of the warehouse. Squeak! His eyes scanned left and right, taking in the stacks of cardboard boxes, the sleeping forklift, the rows and rows of metal shelving. The smoke drifted in and out of his sightline as he breathed. In and out. In and out. They were both waiting for the other's next move. Don't make me wait! I don't like to wait! Whoosh! A soft flutter of papers pulled his attention to the left. Bingo. He saw her pink skirt just in time as she disappeared behind one of the shelving units. Squeak! 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 His footsteps echoed throughout the space. If he hadn't been on the hunt, it would have been comical. Instead, it was terrifying. Especially to the small child that sprinted away from him. The sound sent shivers up Cora's spine. The footsteps grew louder. He was gaining on her. She frantically looked around. To the left was an endless sea of crates and packages. To the right were shelves. Good enough, she thought. She could use her small frame to her advantage. She ducked to the left and as quietly as she could started to climb up the side of a metal unit. Cora had to stretch her arms and legs as far as they could go in order to reach the next shelf. She strained, but she did it. Fuck! The clown's voice deepened with anger. I'm not fucking around anymore, princess! Where are you? She reached her left arm up as high as she could and pulled herself to another level. It was dark and her head was pounding. She tucked herself behind a box. She strained to remember what happened. It had been her birthday. It was a party. She had been so excited to wear the pink dress her mother had found it for her at the mall. She looked down. Now it was torn and muddied. There had been screaming. But before that, cake. Her sister had brought out the Carvel box. She remembered that. She remembered the sugary excitement in the air as they lit the candles. The other kids had been huddled around her, like a tiny mob, all pushing closer and closer to the front. They sang. They blew out the candles. It took her three tries. Everyone cheered. It was later, after the cake. They were all running around in the small, fenced-in yard. The shoes. She remembered seeing the clown shoes first. She wasn't sure. Who was this? He's here! He's here! Her mom had said. Who was he? She had thought. He saw her talking to her mother. Over there! Her mom had pointed to Cora. The clown had come over, squirted her face with a flower-shaped water gun. Everyone laughed. She didn't. She heard the other moms talking. 
A clown? How weird. I hate clowns. She remembered feeling embarrassed for her mom. She knew they didn't have a lot of money for a party. She decided to pretend to be really happy the clown was there. What had happened next? She remembered the squeaking of balloons as he made her a latex replica of her dog, Pete. She hated the noise. It was like nails on a chalkboard. But she liked the animals. He made her a hat, too. She clapped and smiled. Then what? She had woken up as the rain hit her face. She felt the hard, bumpy asphalt below her. She had pushed herself up too quickly and felt dizzy. She had seen him watching her, crouched next to her, smoking, looking, laughing. How had she gotten here? There was no time to figure it out. She had sprinted up and ran into an open rusted door into this warehouse. He hadn't expected that. He was slow. He had lost her. Now she pulled her knees in closer as she hid behind the box on the shelf. She could still hear him squeak, squeak, squeaking around the warehouse. His breath was labored. She remembered what her mother had told her about smoking. How it killed your lungs. She thought he was a pretty stupid clown for smoking. Don't panic, she thought again. He was coming closer. He was in her row of shelves. She could smell the burning tobacco and body odor. She slowed her breath. Fuck! 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 He screamed shockingly loud. She jumped. She gasped ever so slightly. She clasped her hand to her mouth. Squeak! Squeak! He was walking again. He hadn't heard her. She moved her head two slight inches to the right, just enough to peek around the edge of the box. Something was glinting, picking up the red neon exit sign. Something in his hand. A knife. She clasped her hand harder against her mouth. He can't see you, she reminded herself. She was above his eyeline, looking down at his balding head. The white makeup stopped halfway, leaving the back of his head and neck bare. It looked red and irritated. She thought he must not know about her mom's face wash. He didn't look like he washed himself much. I'm not leaving here until I find you, he snarled into the room. I will wait here forever. I don't give a shit. You aren't leaving here. Don't panic. Suddenly, the squeaking stopped. She rotated her head to the right. He was staring right at her. A slow grin spread across his grotesque mouth. He flipped the knife in his hand until the blade was pointed toward her, and he started to sprint. She scrambled, knocking boxes around as she moved through the massive industrial shelf, trying to get away from him. Trying to keep calm. Trying to survive. He was at the base of the shelf. 
climbing would be much easier for him. He was three times taller than she was. He took his first step up, putting the knife in his teeth to free up both hands. He spit the smoldering cigarette onto the floor. She could see his dirty fingernails as he gripped the shelf she was on. His hand a mere foot from her leg. She tried to keep moving, but she was out of room. All she could do was crawl back and forth on the shelf. Trying to move up or down would expose her too much. She started to kick at his hand. Shit, he yelled. His pinky finger was pointed in the wrong direction now. Bitch. She kept kicking and hitting him away, but it was no use. He was much stronger. She struggled as he grabbed her arm and started to pull her out. Just then, a loud, slow creak filled the warehouse. A crack of light, and it grew wider and wider, spilling muted color over the room. They both froze. A huge garage door was lifting. She could see at least three pairs of feet on the other side. Now knees, legs, torsos. The door was wide open now, revealing three full-bodied people. Help! She screamed as loud as she could. Her little voice broke with fear and relief and thirst. Please help me! He's trying to kill me! God damn it! The clown said. The people ran forward. They were dressed in workers' clothes, jumpsuits and gloves and heavy boots. They saw the clown with the knife in its mouth. The little girl in the ripped pink party dress. The back alley door still ajar. They lunged forward, knocking the clown off of the metal shelf. Quick, throw me some rope, one yelled. The other pulled duct tape from a box. They used that to bind the clown's hands behind his back. As he lay on the ground, he kept staring at the little girl looking right at Cora as they lifted her off of the shelf and gently brought her over to the office. The clown could hear as they called the police and Cora's mom. He heard them reassure her that she would be okay, that he was going to go away forever, that he wouldn't be able to hurt her. He listened as the sirens approached and thought that she would be the last little girl whose birthday he got to ruin. The police took the clown shoes off of him. They walked him barefoot to the back of the car. The incident would haunt Cora for the rest of her life, but the image that stood out the most in her adult brain would be the abandoned clown shoes sitting on the ground in the warehouse. As if part of him still remained free. Well, I think John has a lucrative career as a voice actor ahead of him now. I think that's putting it mildly. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I know that he's done, he's been, well, because I, I 
was working with him before he started acting. Mm -hmm. And so once I found out that he was acting, of course, that's a a very exciting horizontal expansion. Mm -hmm. I had no idea he was such an awesome voice actor. Yeah. It's so cool, isn't it? So I'm always so impressed by people who who have talents like this because it's, I don't know, it's so outside of uh, what I feel comfortable with. And he did such a great job. I just love when, like, we get to hear your work Mm -hmm. read by someone who has you know completely going in blind <laughs> i know i'm like sorry <laughs> uh he has no idea what they're what they're you know gonna be handed and then they just absolutely kill it add their own voices to you know i mean i was about to say like you know add their own voice to the piece he literally added his own voice voices yeah. to the piece with all of the characters that was so awesome uh it's it's just it just makes it so much more fun and he was so great to work with and it's i don't know it's always the fun part of this project is collaborating and it's cool to be able to do that via zoom nowadays because makes it easy makes it easy and also makes it doable and also like opens up doors right like you know we work with people this last year that we never met in real life because of zoom and we wouldn't have thought to do that before covid i don't think they say that keys open doors Mm -hmm. when in truth zoom Zoom. open doors zoom Zoom opens doors yeah it's a good that's a good old saying but well, yeah, crocheted over my mother's doorway as Zoom <laughs> opens doors. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it. That's all I have to say about clowns. I thank, thank you God. all. I know. I thank you guys for for joining. I know it's not the most comfortable of subject matter, nope. but I was just sort of like thinking about, okay, what is it we're really doing on the podcast, right? Why couldn't we just do a more comfortable topic, like a a very in-detail play-by-play of John Gacy? John Wayne Gacy, yeah. Um, because that's a true crime podcast and you think true crime is for hipsters. Yep. So I don't know what to say about that. Thank you do. <laughs> um, but healthy disagreement. It's a spice of life. Yeah, sure. Variety is a spice of life. Right. And also variety yeah, of opinions. Exactly. <laughs> kind of keep it interesting. It's better to be fighting than to be boring. Yes. Um, I heard that on a, a sex podcast the other day. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Life right. is short. Make it not boring. Right. Yeah. Call your partner an asshole. See what happens. Also, the, there's the other saying that says boring is good. Uh huh. It's really, I think the context matters a Which lot. Which one is over? Is that one over your mom's door too? No. Oh. No. If you want to help support the podcast, something you can do is to rate and review where you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. I know every podcast in the history of time ends this way, um, but it really is the the only way for new and, and emerging podcasts to grow. So thank you guys so much for everyone who has reviewed us, and we would really be grateful to anybody else who would as well. Also, if you would like bonus episodes from us, you can be part of our Patreon where we offer you all kinds of amazing perks, including access to Lunatics Magazine, which is a biannual art and uh, short story, poetry, comic, all kinds of things. Creepy horror magazine that we put out. Spooky photography, too. Yeah, all kinds of anything that can be printed. Access to our bonus content, newsletters, all kinds of other perks. So check that out if you're interested. Again, I know a lot of podcasters out there have Patreons and we really appreciate everybody who is there helping to build a community and helping to support us. I hope everyone stays safe. I know this week was another difficult, difficult week, especially for the U.S. And we are thinking of you all. We're here if you need anything. We love you all so much. 
Well, this has been another episode of the Lunatics Radio Hour. This is Alan and Slappy signing off. <laughs> God. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some bonus content, consider supporting us on Patreon to access our patron-exclusive podcast, Horror Movie Club. Also head to lunaticsproject.com to check out our spooky merch and apparel. You can find us at Lunatics Project on Twitter and TikTok, and The Lunatics Project on Instagram and YouTube, where you'll find our short horror films, cemetery tours, and so much more. And please rate and review. A little feedback goes a long way to help us grow and get more content out there. Our cover art is by Pilar Kep, and musical bumpers are by Michaela Papa and Jordan Moser.